Hello and welcome back to the Roldorf Cafe. This is episode 12.2. Yes, this is the second episode of a two-parter that was all to do with what is a chronometer. If you didn't actually listen to the uh, the previous episode, um, I'd suggest going back and having a quick uh, listen to that when you've got time because uh, it does cover some, some basic uh, things around uh, what makes a chronometer. Some of those things are like the ISO standard, COSC, DIN, and uh, some of the additional standards that are out there that also incorporate finishing and things like that. But this part of the episode is talking about the additional tests that some companies like Rolex and Omega do to their watches once they come back for Costco or have passed the Costco or ISO standards um, so they can actually show to their customers that these watches are absolutely brilliant. So thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoy this show. And without any further ado, this is episode 12.2. So this gets now into the next level of testing, yeah. um, which puts it into the higher echelon. Um, so, you know, some of some some of it's, you know, marketing prowess, mm-hmm. um, value added, value added, yeah. And it's it's just to show, yeah, we you know this is this is the the effort to which we we go to. So the first company to do anything like that, I think, I can be corrected on this, obviously. Um, is was Rolex, where they they then actually sort of did these these um, um, other other tests. So uh, so the preciseness of the watch, water testing, uh, the power reserve, uh, and self winding okay. ability. Okay. So and that, then they tightened up their uh, the, those seven tests that we were looking at before. Do they tighten up those margins? Yeah, the key number there was two minus minus two plus two. Right. Right. Um, for, for and that was the daily average. That, daily that rate. was the average daily rate. So just to be clear on the average daily rate, yep. ten days after ten days, they look at the rate as it was set ten days ago to the atomic clock standard to whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So they've set it to the atomic clock standard. Ten days later, they look at the rate, and it should be uh, between minus four and plus six. That's right. After ten days, so that yes. would be, uh, you know, that would be if you're looking at uh, uh, after one day. Well, this isn't. No, that's. I'm confused. So, so it wouldn't be an average daily rate. It should be. It should be the after ten day rate. Do you think? Because an average daily rate is going to be different. That is not going to be a daily rate. So it's 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 the average of the first ten days. So they test. So okay. So they test every day. Yeah, and it's okay. the, and then then they the average at, of, of 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 those. That. So so theoretically, the first day it's minus four, second day it's minus two, so and so and so. Everything is around minus four. Average minus, that lot out. And then all of a sudden there's a day it's plus six. Then they would they would average ten divided by ten, whatever, to have a yes. Okay. So it's not actually looking at the time ten days ago, and and and, and marking it off of that. It's no. marking it every day. Every day. Okay. And then averaging. Okay. 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 Yeah. Which is which is really fair. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a fair test. Um, 
So, so yeah, so um, the superlative chronometer taking, taking those extra tests, uh, sort of uh, this term real world, but external factors, other external factors. Uh, some watches are not designed to, to be all that water resistant. Right. So it doesn't necessarily, these tests don't necessarily uh, apply to, to uh, those watches, but for, for Rolex it does. And yeah. so these are the, 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 the value added care tests that, that they put to it so they can actually then put their, their stamp of uh, a, a approval on it. Officially so, certified. Officially so. certified. See, that's the thing that, that to me is the, is the buzzword. Is, is officially certifying something yeah you know it's like organic food yeah you know you can say it's organic everybody can be like oh this is organic from this country it's organic that country it's organic but as soon as it's like if you have some some yeah. body that you trust that you know about that has kind yeah. of proven themselves they put an official certified yeah. organic officially certified chronometer yeah yeah and then I think that Omega takes it a step further they mm -hmm. do uh, eight different uh, additional tests to the watch just do Omega watches yeah and um, and that is through sort of a, um, an independent organization called Metas and uh, they they put they, they put it through a good portion of the tests are to do with magnetism um, so they, uh, because that's a real world, th world thing. Yeah. Now, I mean, they hit, they hit, uh, the, watch, the, the, the watches, um, the movements in the watches, um, uh, 15,000 in, in, incredibly hard with 15,000 gauss. Right? Yeah. So the first one is, uh, taking the movement and, uh, uh, blasting with, it, blasting it with 15,000 gauss. Then they, they, Put the movement back into the case, blast the entire thing again with fifteen thousand gauss. Then they do a, a, um, a mag demag test, so they magnetize it and then demagnetize it with the uh, and do the chronometer test at that point. And uh, that that's pretty that's that, that that's pretty interesting. It's pretty that, hard that, hardcore. Well, I mean, it's that. You know, I think I look at it as in a marketing kind of way because the materials are silicone. The 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 hairspring is silicone. You know, it's kind of redundant to, to, to throw magnetism at it because it's not magnetized. It's not going to get magnetized. So it's like you know, throw a hundred hundred thousand gauss at it. it nothing's going to happen. It's just I think it's it's a little bit of a show in a way. Obviously, if it's going to a, even testing it at a at a an amount that is not. A, a, <laughs> A thing that most people are going to experience in a day. But still, they yeah. put it there. They, they do, do it. it. Yeah. And uh, then they sort of do a, a chronometer or chronometric performance day to day. Yeah. yeah. Um, then uh, sort of a, a deviation of, of, of the chronometer test in positions after that. Mm -hmm. The next thing is really interesting. They um, do a... Uh, an isochronism test. Right. So, so, so isochronism. Is what isochronism? Isochronism. Yes. 
This is an interesting word that is very confusing to a lot of people, myself included. Will you please explain? I yeah. Saw so, so this is um, this is looking at a fully wound to a partially wound state, and is the timekeeping going to meet a standard uh, given the high wound state or fully wound state to a thirty three percent wound state sure. so you know it's like you know if you've left your watch off of your wrist for for you know uh, a period of time and it's been allowed to wind down in the case of either an automatic or a manual wound watch um, is it going to still keep a particular timing standard on the low wind because mm -hmm. I mean one thing is is winding these watches up for the cost test mm -hmm. and uh, and and going through them and making sure that you know they're performing as it is but now what they're doing is they're unwinding the watch right and then testing it at a at a lower rate to make sure that the timekeeping awesome. is because it is does there is a pretty big dip if you look at a, a graph a typical graph of, mm -hmm. of the rate of a watch I mean it, it, it varies obviously but you see a dramatic a dramatic dip once you get to that 33% or, or less, yeah. you know, a lot of watches will say they have a power reserve of X amount. And that's at, that's, I think, accounting for their the isochronism, 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 yeah. right? And then after that, say, a watch, say a, you see someone says a watch, uh, their power reserve is 40 hours or something, 45 hours, that's when it, it, it's still going to have power, right? But but what's the timekeeping? The timekeeping is going to start to suffer. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that is the, and that leads us into the next test uh, with the with the with the uh, master chronometer is your power reserve. Is it actually going to be ticking for the amount of time that you say it's going to tick for? Um, so then, those, those those are those different then, like the power reserve versus the power reserve. In relation to the so the power reserve test is just simply going to be is the watch going to tick for a certain period of time right you know which you state that it's going to be so okay. if the mainspring is a particular length right and you say it's it's got a power reserve of 35 hours or 45 yeah. hours or whatever um, is it actually do will it actually do that right, right. Um, whereas the isochronism is okay so it's not looking at at the duration at that point it's just looking at the state of wind yeah. relative to the timekeeping performance okay okay right so it's not necessarily like i said it's not necessarily the same thing if, no. if someone says our watch has a 40 that 40 hour power reserve that that number doesn't really relate necessarily to its isochronism no okay. only only from the fact that they they look at that 33 percent yeah on the low end Right, and then look at the timekeeping at that point, okay. and compare it to a fully wound, to, to the fully wound state. Sure. Right. So so that that's okay. a whole other that's thing. That's cool. And uh, then finally, you know, uh, water resistancy. Is it actually going to be water resistant? You know, up to uh, twenty thousand know, meters. Yeah, yeah, much much further than you would ever want to be. And they test it to that level. Yeah, but like oh, does Omega test the the Ploprof with Metas? Yeah, to the ridiculous length, that uh, ridiculous depth that is yeah. declared. Yeah, and uh, you know this is this this is the interesting part about this is that um, it's kind of funny, really, because 
you know most people you know when they buy dive watches you know yeah there's 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 sort of that that um, water resistancy standard uh, to begin with right. but when you start getting into you know the the deeper depths 2000 you know you know, whatever a million thousand you know, for, for the average person if you're looking at your watch quite honestly and you're at that depth something's gone very very wrong yeah right very 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 wrong <laughs> like Kursk kind of wrong it's like have you seen the movie The Abyss yes yeah oh like, yeah 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 if Jason Jason Heaton if you're if you're if you're listening to the podcast at this point yeah you 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 you'd know yeah, yeah that, that's a that, that yeah, those. That's a key diver movie. It's oh. it's so in, incredible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, there's another great dive movie. Jason if you, if, you, if you haven't seen it, it's called The Bell. It's a European yeah. Uh, yeah, movie which uh, is about saturation divers. I and heard things that going Jason wrong. was talking about that movie. Oh, is that on one of the podcasts recently? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, people that that like to do deep diving and and really into sort of the technical diving. This. You know those movies are, uh, are uh, and the bell pretty pretty relates to the healing escape valve specifically is what it's for. Is is, is that yeah. yeah? So so you know when you're in a um, an environment where you're you're um, inhaling mixed gases because you you need to be able to reduce uh, or or be able to control the uh, partial pressure of the oxygen which that's in the gas mix yeah. because oxygen is oxygen can be lethal yeah right and it's about controlling the partial pressure of uh, of the oxygen that in the whatever mix that you're so you have to be able to throw in other gases yeah. right and this is where for saturation diving this is how they do it right uh, so you toss in a bunch of other gases that, that people can breathe Mm-hmm. Um, uh, that makes up the difference in right. volume, and um, and then you know you're you're, you're safe. You're good to go. But the problem is, is that when when using helium and, and argon, you know they they're being able to that the that gas is able to permeate uh, seals of watches, so it gets inside the watch. So then, right. when you're when you're sort of in the decompression uh, state, and you're 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 sort of bringing you're up the bell. your 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 uh, pressure to come back up to the surface very very slowly, so your body can metabolize the gases. Um, if you have no way of, of being able to uh, release those gases w- within the watch, um, then what's going to happen is is that you're going to have a bit of an explosion with regard to the watch. Typically, the the glass Crystal will blast will blow right off, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so this there, you know, the helium escape valve is or gas escape valve is designed to be able to. So uh, does that alleviate does that the valve, pressure. which is typically on the like the nine o'clock side, yeah, um, or like ten or nine or whatever. Does that does it pop out and then? Like when you're when you're diving, can you notice that? Oh, I need to release this. Yeah, like, what, what um, that's a, that's a very good point. I've never been in that position to actually look at the valve, but it would probably be just so very slight that you, you likely wouldn't be able to see it, see it with the naked eye. Right. Um, but yeah, that that that's exactly what it's for. It's just so that when the pressure inside the right. watch builds up, so it does it that it releases it. It does it on its own. Yeah. 
you don't have to no you don't have to like press a button no no it's uh, all automatic it's gnarly so the gaskets involved in those valves are pretty yeah unique in themselves yeah wow. yeah cool so uh so okay. yeah so so all of these we all digress. of these tests are, uh, are sort of all base around this are based on the the iso test yeah with added things so uh the uh, like the din uh, a319 that's taking german watches in, in, in into consideration uh, the Florier tests are taking watches made in in that region into consideration and what they feel is is important uh, same with the Geneva seal some of that the, it's, with it's regard all, to those two it's, it's there's so it's so, craftsmanship it's so European based testing it's very isolated all these tests are very isolated you know really except for ISO which is international so it's like if I'm from Australia and I have a watch like who do I do I yeah so then do you, I do I make be, my own my own certification you know like uh, like can, so yeah so for example we're in Canada and there's a mm. Canadian standards organization I created a a, a Canadian uh, standardized uh, do you want to hear really because yeah. you know it, it it actually you know I, I was actually talking to a person <laughs> that sat on one of these boards that's actually been involved in the Canadian standards okay. well, within, within the healthcare you know it costs a hundred thousand dollars at a minimum to, to get that set up so you must have just spent a whole lot of well, money no, I, on this I, no, next see, I'm, thing I'm starting is, with the I'm starting on what it's called okay if okay. Canada had a chronometer um uh, certification profile like yeah, this. Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. It's like, what is it called? It's got to be, it's got to be... Um, We've got to give it a Canadian name. It's got to have a good name. It's got to have a good ring. It's got to mean something. Yeah. So this is... this so is what did you come up with, Howie? Come on, tell so me. So it's called the Precision Instruments Engaging Chronometric Efficiencies Observed for Canadian Regulating Authentication Protocols. Or, if you break it down, it's piece of crap. Right? <laughs> So once again, that's precision instruments engaging chronometric efficiencies observed for Can Canadian regulating authentication protocols. What do you think? What a great acronym for that. It's very Canadian. Uh, it, it is very Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. And then, and then afterwards, uh, 8562 or something. Oh, okay. You know, we got to put a number in there. We got to put there. It has to be a number in there. Absolutely. So, so piece, of, piece of crap, 8139. Eight, no. <laughs> Who's a Ray? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, can, yeah. This is the. Uh, yeah. I'm, 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 I mean to take the piss out of it in a way. Yeah, of course. Because it's yeah. like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole idea of, of a chronometer and, and how it relates to people and their love of watches. Yeah. I think this is relevant. You know, like it's it's. If they don't have a chronometer, if it's not tested, does that mean they can't love their watch? And also, in relation to the the uh, expectations we have on on the ability to monitor time, like down to a, the millisecond, like we can. There's that Citizen watch that just came out, like right. plus or minus one second a year or something. Right. Yeah. Like th this is this is very interesting as far as like developments in in, in these kinds of technologies, mm -hmm. and this is where mechanical watches. Have have stepped aside from that from that competition because obviously it's a different it's apples and oranges yeah so they're like well how can we still compete and how can we still create uh, quality watches but now we've sort of forgotten about the original uh, 
testing, the original observatory testing, was above yeah. the that was the best in the world, right? Yeah. The competitions. This yeah. is the best timekeeper in the world. So then, when the, the courts happened and th- knocked everybody out, everybody's freaking out. So they stopped doing that, right? But not. But then they developed costs, like in the eighties or something, right? Yeah, totally. To, and yeah, and all, all of this, all of this is is fantastic. Mm-hmm. In that you know you get the movements and test those, oh, or you put them in the case and you test those. That's all at source. Yeah. Right. That's all at source. This is before anybody has got their hand on the watch. Yeah. And then actually, truly subjected the watch to their day-to-day uh, activities, right? Right. That that uh, that can be really, really crazy, right? Yeah. So, you know, it, every I think the key thing to keep in mind with all this mm-hmm. is that, you know, we go, we we do these tests, and the watch is delivered and you put it on your wrist and at that point you know the watch the up somebody until that has, point has, like loved it has has <laughs> is 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 compliant i think is the right term to that standard right but then you go out and take it out on the golf course and you know you right. you you, you know, you, or you, you ride do, your, or you ride, go go mountain biking. Mountain biking, you, you you know, you wear it for it for a year, right. uh, and and subject it to all kinds of of brutality. Right. Is it going to meet these standards? It's again? not going to meet these standards. No. But this may be the future. It's like how how hard can we really treat these these movements and what can happen? And you know, maybe there's going to be a you know, number nine to the Met test where it's like, you know, you go mountain biking for a day with the watch. <laughs> you know, the thought of this actually uh, uh, um, sort of brings me back to a test that, I, that, that you see quite often in, uh, in Ikea stores. You know, you have that Ikea seat, the one that's, that's uh, got that really cool modern shape. It's all wood that, that sure. hooks around. Kind of like bounces a bit. Yeah, yeah. and it's, you, you know, it, uh, it's in a glass box. They put the chair in a glass box. Right, there's like a spring. And there's this, this pounder <laughs> thing that's pushing on it, right? Okay. You know, that, that's the IKEA test for that seat, right? But that's kind of almost a real world type uh, uh, t- types uh, test because right. they're constantly pushing on that seat. Is it, when is it going to fail? When is it going to fail? When is it going to fail? And I think that yeah, but they would never show that in a display. No, of if course they not. Know, because they, if, if they, they see a crack, they're going to pull out. Well, no, they would never it. even do the test. They would. They would not for a second if they thought it was going to fail it. Right. Because that's part of their marketing. But you see, this is this would potentially be the next level test where right. your vibration testing. Um, where you know, you know you you really really are sort of exposing that watch to to something that somebody may be doing in a particular activity, mm-hmm. but you see I think that the key thing to remember here is is that you can't expect after a year of wearing that watch really hard in a in a day to day environment that that it would keep to to 
necessarily to these no. standards. No, it's not. Um, and you can't expect watchmakers then uh, at that point. It's an isolated. To... It's an isolated event. It really is. It's just kind of to show when you buy the watch new, right. this what it's been put through, and then when you get it new, this is the 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 connection you have at that moment. But then as you get to know your watch, it, things are going to change with it. And to my knowledge, you know. There, there, there aren't any recertification tests right. that are going on um, with your particular watch when you take it back to uh, uh, the, the service center to recertify it, to, it as cost. No, if you send it to back to Rolex, it. they're not going to recertify it. Not recertify or cost test it. There's a, there's a very, there's a, a, a very particular service test that they'll be putting the watches through. Um, like like we do here like like we do here which is which is quite different but i think then um the, the the key thing there is is being able to sort of do your average daily rate and being able to keep up within a a, a certain tolerance given multiple positions and this is where the cycler test comes in yeah i think for for testing that well this is the two um, parts that we typically do is we figure yeah. out the positions on the tomograph in variation yeah we, we average them up we, i mean we obviously service the watch to a point where we don't have huge variation to begin with yeah and then we test them in all the positions and then we throw it on the cyclo test for a couple of days and, and test it every day and see how it's going right real world kind of thing right yeah and you see there's nothing really standardized i don't believe for any of that Right, um, where you can go from one independent service center to another independent service center to 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 really do that, you know that's that's you know well that's where the the Canadian completely uh, yeah, yeah. You know, we should go around to the different uh, in Canada independent shops, give them the piece of crap seal of approval. It's like yeah. it's like the emoji with the, the poop emoji, with, but it's got a little clock instead of the face. <laughs> Right, and we go around. Yeah, yeah. you know. So, uh, so yeah. So I hope, I hope this sort of demystifies uh, sort of the the chronometric standards. Um, I'm more mystified, but that's exciting. That's yeah. Nice. So in in the show notes um, uh, for this particular episode, mm -hmm. um, we've got a number of links that you can go to to be able to click on to to uh, uh, look at so you can see these different standards uh, from different sources that have that have already written a, a, about this stuff mm -hmm. um, some some of it being from the manufacturers themselves others just being other people that have written about this topic right um, uh, but uh, yeah it, it from you can look at that but really from from a consumer's point of view um uh it's it you know it can be very very con uh, confusing and i think that you know i've mm -hmm. just tried to sort of well, uh, help make it uh, a bit more clear i'm not sure it's if it's about 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 it being confusing because it, it's it, it's it is confusing absolutely mm -hmm. and that i think it's confusing because there's so many people calling themselves chronometers and so many people putting out these tests you know, and then then you're like, it's about the trust. It's about who do I trust to certify the watch? You know, it, it, yeah. We could get into the whole thing about what we were talking about last last week about 
about fakes and about could you be faking these kinds of tests too like you know that's a next level in a way I don't know yeah you actually you just brought up a, a very interesting point that uh, that we just were talking about a little bit earlier yeah and that is that you know in the last episode we we spoke about um Oh wow, the Lagavulin's getting the better of my <laughs> throat. <coughs> wow. Um, we spoke about these different um, companies that are actually cloning movements. Mm -hmm. So they say, yeah, you know what, this is, this is it. None of them have actually <laughs> taken these watches uh, to, to be, be certified. To be certified, probably not. Well, the yet. dial says, the dial says. But the dial says. No, yeah. but that's the whole thing about replicas and fakes. I mean, we, we should do a whole other episode about that. You know, after our, that last that last episode, I was continuing to look into it, and it's really like kind of shady and messed up. But but it also really puts a, a challenge to people who are trying to be legit. You know. Yeah, but yeah. absolutely. So so this is the thing. Even though you're you're buying a cloned movement. You know, no, you're spending, no, well, you know, fifteen hundred U.S. dollars on on yeah. a on a crazy. There's no way watch. that you can trust it, because nobody is regulating. No there's no there's no authority that's saying, you know what, this is you're in good hands. This watch is good. We've tested it to this standard. Or who knows? I mean, the I'm amazed at the at the transparency, the openness of a lot of these fake websites and the pride they have. In creating replicas to this to the quality that they're declaring is just as good right it's really ballsy and weird and I also question Rolex Rolex in, in a lot of this specifically Rolex in that there's got to be why are they letting that exist I just throw that out to Rolex why are you letting these these companies create their own these websites create their own like uh, um, you, Cloned movements. Well, they're, no, it's not about them creating movements. It's about them get, creating their own clout, their own like reputation yeah. as quality replicas. You yeah. know, they're like, and I've seen websites where it's like, don't go to the other ones. We're the we are the genuine replica website. We're the genuine replica manufacturers. <laughs> yeah. Right? Don't trust those other guys. Yeah. How crazy is that? Yeah. That's that's some. But they're out there. And, well, yeah, and, and, and I, this is where I, this is where I, this is where I question Rolex. It's like, why are you not involved in that? Why are you not saying stop that? Because I don't know. I I question how. Yeah, this can even exist. Well, yeah. and, and and how much they're allowing it to happen, and I I think it's because it's not even touching on on their market share. Yeah. You know, a a, a Samariner starting at eight thousand, ten thousand bucks. You know, versus a replica. At fifteen hundred, it's different. It's a different uh, socioeconomic uh, group that they're targeting. So mm -hmm. it's like, well, th those those people who can't afford it, let them get their replicas. That's fine. Yeah. Don't get me started. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So it, no, but not you know. Talk about get you started. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what really interests me is what people that are out there think about all of this stuff, whether it be fakes. Uh, whether it be the uh, chronometric standards uh, that we've spoken about right. today and what it truly means to them right. when they're actually purchasing a watch. Totally. This, this is uh, the interesting stuff 
Um, this is the meat and potatoes, I think, of what yeah, we're talking abso- about. Yeah. A- a- absolutely. What did these standards actually mean to them? Mm-hmm. And do people really care? Are they buying a watch because it meets a standard and they're really concerned about that standard? Or are they buying a watch because they love the watch and it's meta standard, but are they watching it? Are they are they really there keeping track of it, keeping track of it and uh, caring about well, even, it? Even when I got into watchmaking, like five years ago, mm-hmm. not that long ago, you know, the whole conversation about watches was very interesting. It's like, well, what's why would you? Are watches still a thing? Is watchmaking still a thing? Right? It's like, why would you buy? Why would you buy? Spend thousands of dollars on a watch that keeps less quality time. You know that that is the number one thing that that I think people have got the, the the opinion about it's like there's no the the why is really obscure yeah you know what I mean the the uh, the rationale between between spending thousands of dollars on something that does not keep as good time and it's job it's job is to keep good time mm-hmm. and it doesn't keep as good time as a $10 watch you buy at the train station it doesn't yeah. so why would you buy it it's the love. It's the love. It's the love of the precision. It's it's the love of the it, fact it's that romantic. it can be made and it's it's yes. an architecture. It's um, one of the few things I can think of that is successful in its failure. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I hear I hear what you're saying. Yeah. yeah. It, 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 or not it, in its, its failure, a, but in its handicap. Yeah. Right? In its limitations. It's, that it's never going to be, but it will be the best that it possibly can be. With its clear limitation but it's clear not limitation. using a circuit not yeah, using yeah, yeah. A, a battery yeah it's just springs it's just gears it's just whatever that's yeah. it and that's that's I mean there's a lot of things a lot of niche uh, challenges competitions that exist in that same way right yeah but I mean as far as like relating to to people about watches it, it, it's I think it's going to continue to be kind of niche you know yeah. I, I don't foresee it as being something that's going to be ever main or ever be mainstream because no. of its clear uh, limitation. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, we got off tangent there a bit, but uh, yeah. Absolutely. Are we good? I think we're really good. I think what yeah. we do need to do um, is uh, give a, a big shout out to... Uh, uh, the person that, that supplied us with this lovely scotch that we're drinking tonight, which yes. is the Lagavulin 16 year. Very generous. Um, very, very generous. Uh, gen- genuous. See, generous. We, can, we can almost blame this individual for, you know, for this emotional response. <laughs> yeah. Right? Uh, absolutely. I, hope, I hope he's listening. Thank you, Titus. Titus, yeah. thank you very, very much for the scotch. It has made this. Uh, Incredibly, you know, we could do. We could do this. Like this could be an official kind of like this podcast was brought to you by. Yes, absolutely. So, um, so the, I think we we <laughs> need to say this podcast was brought to you by Titus, Titus. and Lagavulin sixteen. Thank you very much, brother, for for sending <laughs> this in to us. We're really enjoying it, and yep. uh, we hope you enjoy the podcast, and everybody else that listens to this podcast enjoys it. And please comment. Uh, we're, we're, we're seeing a lack of comments maybe uh, I'm not sure how, how easy it is to comment but if, if you want to comment go to the Instagram page when when, uh, when Jason will post 
the image of the of the episode comment right there and we can have a conversation there Instagram, yeah right yeah and on that note uh, yeah. we haven't had anybody do this yet but don't just call out right add to the conversation not just right? call out that <laughs> just troll we, we encourage you to troll and just say some weird weird shit no just no do it no just say I'd like to add to this <laughs> Beautiful. You know, it's beautiful. Yeah, just yeah. do that because we need to foster this culture of adding to rather than just calling this out because we're internet, seeing it everywhere. The internet can be can be a beautiful place. Yeah. It's been really it's 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 hard to so let's let's do that. Yeah. All right. Thank you very much, people. Until next time, we love you. <laughs> <laughs>